1: This is the best of two pros and a couple of Joe with Lavar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio.
4: The hell's
2: going on, Brady Quinn? Not much, man. Just some hard docs last night. You yeah, know, musty TV, appointment television. Yeah. Did Did you watch?
4: Yeah, I did. I got a little bit oh. of an issue going on right now in studio. I'll tell you that. What's uh, that? Well, I was trying to use some. Um, Hand sanitizer. Big hand sanitizer guy. And uh I don't w-
2: think like overusing hand sanitizer is good for you, is it?
4: Well no, but I just I wanted to use just a little bit of it and I tried to squirt it out and I couldn't get it to leave the bottle and then I twisted it the other way and it wasn't working. I went back to the opposite side and then it just sprayed all over my laptop. So now I got sanitizer all over my laptop.
2: Well at least, at least it's clean, right?
4: Yeah. <laughs> First time a for a everything, you know. Yeah, so it could have used that. I mean, your laptop. Thinking about what could be on that. <laughs> thing. My God, it's, it's like it's like Deshaun Watson. Don't take a blacklight ac- across that. huh? <laughs> oh. like, yeah, that's my. This is my. I call this my Deshaun Watson device. Uh, so you just leave me alone yeah. uh, and let that. Uh, but hey, it's clean now. So there is that. You know,
2: you, you can't create like uh, artificial intelligence that way. That's not exactly how it's created. <laughs> that's, not no. how it that's not how it. That's how it's no. done. No.
4: Yeah, what is it? Uh Boston Dynamics, is that where they do it? <laughs> it Harvard Dynamics? Where yeah. do they do that at? Yeah. I don't like know. That. Whatever
2: you're doing seems pretty dynamic, but
4: uh. Um, so yeah, listen, hard knocks. One episode in. What do you think, Brady Quinn? You gonna make it for episode two or nah? Cause I I, 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 I feel like I'm kinda all right, thank you. Why?
2: Can, I, can I make an honest admission? Yeah, I didn't even make it to, to episode one, <laughs> so.
4: Oh, <laughs> I'll, I'll catch up on it at some point. Yeah, it. Look, it's just. It's kind of the same old, same old. It's getting to know everybody early on. I thought they were going to focus more on the Sean Payton stuff. Uh, Rodgers was kind of busting Nathaniel Hackett's balls about they were doing the pylon game at the end of practice where you try and hit the pylon. I don't know if that's something you ever partook in uh, as a quarterback, but they would try and hit the pylon with the football and then you would try and distract the other guys. So Aaron Rodgers shouted Sean Payton when Nathaniel Hackett was playing and they were just kind of giving each other a hard time but the one thing i i took away from the nathaniel hackett stuff i could see why players really like him like i, yeah, he's I
1: super
2: nice like energy or energetic sense.
4: and and it makes huh? sense why rogers is really supportive of him because that seems like a guy you would want to play for like he seems like a fun guy
2: he's super fun super nice i mean from from all accounts and and look there's some guys who they get an opportunity to be a head coach before they're ready and it doesn't work out there's some guys um who are just better position coaches they're better offensive coordinators that that's that's just that's what they are and that's okay there's there's nothing wrong with that And and those guys might get an opportunity to be a head coach and when they do they might struggle it's okay like Failure is okay if you learn from it, move on from it, and you kind of figure some things out from it. If you just take it for what it is, it, you know, it's, it's, you're never going to allow yourself to move past it and get better. But you know, it's I, I think he's got a good reputation from anyone who's ever coached him as a you know as an OC as a uh, position coach, and people love him. So uh, it, it, look, I saw some clips from obviously Hard Knocks. I didn't watch the whole thing. Uh, we'll, we'll see if I have time to do so, but. It seems like you know there's a true connection between him and Aaron Rodgers, oh, yeah. and if the Jets have success this year, I, I personally look at it and say it's going to be in large part because of Nathaniel Hackett. Because if Nathaniel Hackett's not there, I don't know that they get Rodgers. Like I don't know that Aaron wants to go to the New York Jets. I think if I think if Nathaniel Hackett was still in Denver. They would have tried to make some sort of move to get Aaron Rodgers to Denver, like like that's how close I feel like those two are.
4: Yeah, it was it was really playing out, and you could see Rodgers sticking up for him, talking about their relationship, how it started, how close they are. Uh, you know, they're not that far apart in age, obviously, and so Rodgers and him, you know, needle each other and get on each other, and and you just see sort of how the other players have have rallied around Nathaniel Hackett. So it made all the sense in the world when you hear that, but. We do have a little bit of a clip from Hard Knocks I would love for you to to take a listen to and tell me how fired up this gets you because Robert Sala was speaking to the team and he wanted to make sure that everybody's minds were in the right places. So we've got a little something for you to get you fired up here or maybe not fired up at all on your Wednesday morning. So Brady Quinn, a guy who sat in rooms hearing speeches from coaches to try and get you motivated out of Can't nowhere wait. for 20-something years playing football. Here's Robert Sala talking with his team last night, courtesy of Hard Knocks on HBO.
5: The only bird, the only bird in the world that will attack an eagle is a crow. It will perch on the eagle's back and peck at its neck. So rather than fight back and tearing a crow to pieces like it can, the eagle spreads its wings and it soars as high as it possibly can. It keeps going and going as high as it can. And the higher the eagle flies, the harder it is for the crow to breathe. Eventually, the crow suffocates, falls back down the earth, and dies. That's what happens. Guys, we got a great deal of hype around us, we do. All kinds of expectations. And with great expectations, we know that there's gonna be a whole lot of people, a whole lot of crows expecting us to fall on our face. What are you doing to find that little bit more to get us closer to being a great team? You finish practice, now what? You finish meetings, now what? Lifting, now what? And if we come together and we challenge ourselves to do a little bit more every day, the crows they'll fall by themselves.
4: Yeah, about it. And with the music in the background, now were they piping in the music in the meeting room while, they, while he was giving the speech? Because that really would have added to it. You know, the whole uh, crow eagle comparison. There, I feel yeah, like that would be an really, eagle, uh, or,
2: or or do you want to be a crow? You, yeah. you don't want to be a crow, right? That was the
4: point of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But yeah. here's what I would say about crows: crows get kind of a bad rap. They do. Um, listen. Badass.
2: Badass birds why
4: don't you ask hawks about crows crows oh. go after hawks i remember growing yeah. up we would always see that if a hawk was in the in the area trying to kill one of our pigeons we knew the crows were going to take it you know they've got a little gang going on there so i feel like you kind of misrepresented crows yeah yeah we had pigeons growing up why not not really sure huh but we did yes never
2: uh, never pictured you for a pigeon guy very I, I-
4: very smart like you we sent them away you could train them yeah, yeah. and uh yeah,
2: mike tyson did that for a while right he,
4: he did and like one, carrier pigeons they it got they got out of control there was too many of them and so we oh. said all right we got they were like on
2: drugs or something right don't they hype those things up sometimes
4: uh i, I don't think that we did unless they got into if, if there was like a stash of uh, meth or something around the house that somebody might have uh left out maybe that might have been the case but I remember we were trying to get rid of them one time. And so we put them in a box. (laughs) This sounds so inhumane. We put them in a box and we were worried about them potentially flying back. So we marked their feathers with like a a pink highlighter, just thinking, okay, well, we'll see if they come back. And we drove them out for all the way to Santa Barbara, which is way up north. Like an hour drive, no way they're going to find their way back. And they found their way all the way back in a couple of days. Pretty amazing birds. But- who cares?
2: What yeah, say what was the moral of that story?
4: I don't know. Not really sure. But I figured I'd give my best Robert Sala here for hard knocks, uh considering uh not. I, I think you
2: wants pointed it. out something though that's interesting. Like it, anything a coach says under dramatic music can sound so like great. great badass, right? <laughs> so like, great. It really is. Do you know what a what an eagle does when it crows on its back? <laughs> um it, the, the funny the funny thing about that thank you, Sam. The, the funny thing about those sorts of speeches are all you're trying to do as a coach is get one thing that the players can take with them like one small little note anecdote something to to, to take with them and that is that was enough like there'll be dudes they come out of locker room, they're like, hey man gotta be like an eagle you know what I'm saying man gotta be like an eagle you know you got so so high above it like they, that, that'll be the one thing they take away from the whole crow eagle thing and it works and it moves forward and it gets people's attention. And, it, and it's it's cool until it's not. Like, I, I feel like last year there's a lot of those, you know, things that Robert Sala would say, and it, it was like, oh, yeah, and the media loves it, right? The media loves Robert Sala, and rightfully so. He's, he's a good guy. And I think he's doing – you know, he's trying to do the, the best job he can as a head coach to get his team mentally thinking in the right direction. But there's also an element of – there's not. There's, there's not always something to be said. There is always something to be done. There's not always something to to be said, and that's where this team is at right now.
4: Who is the best it, coach? Speak you ever got? Who is the best? That if you threw some <laughs> dramatic music under him, it'd, it'd be even better.
2: Um, John Fox gets could, could give some pretty good pregame speeches. Jeff Fisher gave some pretty good pregame speeches. Um. I mean, it usually was players. I mean, that that's the truth. It it was usually players who would give the best pregame speech. Brian Dawkins gave some as you know as a passionate speech as you'll ever find from a player. I mean, just pouring his heart out type speech before games. He's I mean, he's he's everything as a a Hall of Famer you'd hope, but like also. So much more than that as like a man, like spiritually everything else. He, he, was, he was one of the most um, – I don't even know how to describe like being around him. Just supernatural. Like he, he really was. Like when you'd see him after games and how beat up he'd be. And then before the game, the way he'd come out of the tunnel, run out there, I'm like that dude, that dude just transformed. Like he was barely able to move, and, and and you'd see it every week for sixteen weeks back then. And you're just like, man, that's impressive.
4: Um, now um, there there was a pretty good back and forth uh between some jets linemen this to me was oh, yeah. is the highlight yeah. now, do
2: we have this out yes we do all right oh, so perfect. this
4: is solomon thomas uh talking about potentially going to broadway maybe taking some of his teammates but wanting to make sure that they really appreciate it and then you had john john franklin myers talking about maybe getting fancy and uh this is how it played out last night at hbo
5: you said Yo, you don't want me to go to Broadway? I said that because I feel like you'd be talking during the play and I want you to respect the performance, okay?
3: Hard not y'all hit miss. how much how good I want to go to Broadway, Broadway.
2: show. I want to eat a carcucci board.
3: That's, a it. Good, good, good. that's it.
4: A karchu- board? What did he call it?
3: I don't know. What's that? A carcucci it wasn't that. board.
4: <laughs> oh man, it's a uh, charcuterie. That, I, it, if I believe yeah. that, uh, I have the pronunciation. Yes, want
2: to eat a carcucci board?
4: <laughs> carcucci.
2: I mean, it, 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 this, that's the thing about a locker room you love, though. It's, you get a lot of guys who you know come from places and backgrounds that they're not as exposed to stuff. And, and, like, you know, they're, they're getting exposed to more things, and it, it's cool. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is one of the cooler things about, like, hanging out with different teammates is, like, see like they get this, you get to experience stuff with them for the first time.
4: You know? Oh, man. You like grapes on your Carcucci board, or what do you— I'm eat you a at? board. What are you, what are you looking Karkuchi. at here? Like, are you, uh, <laughs> how do you like yours diced up? You like a, three different kinds of crackers and maybe, like, some apple slices and grapes? Like, how do you like your Carcucci if you, had to, if you had to break yours down, Brady Quinn, you're a big um, whino guy.
2: I, I, yeah, I'm not sure I'm, I'm breaking down a carcucci board.
4: Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, stick around. At some point during the course of this show, we might break down our deal. Yeah, yeah, hour four is uh, the carcucci hour here. So we will break down a carcucci board coming up in hour four. That's what we do here on this show.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern.
4: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
4: I mean, I could have sworn Dan Snyder was gone, Brady. I could have sworn. Everything was fine. You know, now we can just focus on all the positive stuff. It seemed like there were going to be no more issues, no more problems, no more nothing in Washington with the commandos, other than the fact that the team name stinks and they probably got to make a change. And then... <laughs> Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Washington Commandos, was talking yesterday about how some of the players there have a little bit of an issue with the approach of new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. And so here was Rivera speaking with the media, which did not land well with a lot of people who cover sports and a lot of people who may or may not have a preconceived notion as to who Eric Bieniemy is. I had a number of guys come to me, and I said, hey, just go talk to them. I said, understand
2: what he's trying to get across to you, you know, and I think as they go and they talk and they listen to him, it's, it's been, it's been enlightening for a lot of these guys. I mean, it's a whole different approach. Um, you know, you, you, again, you get a different kind of player from, from the players back in the past, um, especially in light of how things are coming out of college football. So a lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain, certain things. Eric has an approach and it's the way he does things and he's not going to change. And, and, and because he believes in it, Jack has his approach, you know, uh, um, um, having been a head coach i think jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to hey this is it this is the way it's going to be that type of stuff where eric eric hasn't had that that experience yet
3: and just when they came to you it was just they felt like eric was riding them too hard or
4: well um they they just were a little concerned all right so that was ron rivera talking about okay the
2: okay yeah. so let me start off by asking you this question yeah should, should we be concerned? Is this a big deal?
4: I don't think so.
2: Then, then why is this getting out there? Why is this discussed? Why is this becoming public?
4: It my the, my guess would be there are some people that have perceived that as him throwing Eric Bieniemy under the bus. That Bieniemy already has an issue with players there in Washington. That, that's the way I've read it, which in you, I hear the quote. I see the quote, and I go, okay, well, let me hear the sound. You hear the sound, and it landed differently for me from Ron Rivera.
2: Well, I think it always hits different when you hear someone's tone, right? You, you, see, you hear the way they're actually saying something, which you, you can't get lost in all of this. It does seem like an odd time to have this sort of conversation, I mean we're we're just now entering into the the preseason game portion of, of training camp. What what you used to say was the toughest part of training camps over. There's not even really a tough part anymore um, for training camp, but if, if you wanted to label a portion of it, that's what we just got got through. It's just odd that this is becoming a subject. It's it's even odd that it's being addressed. I'm not sure why it's it's needed to be addressed. I'm not sure if, he, if, if you know, the, the question prompted the response to it because some players have talked about it or the media has witnessed that. You know, Eric Bannemi has had a reputation of being an old-school coach. He was a former player, came from an era where coaches were a lot tougher on you. And so there's some coaches who have continued that approach and some have said, like, I, I can't coach anymore for that reason. And there's others who have adapted. To the type of players that they're getting now that don't feed off of that so it, it's it's tough to know what exactly the end game is unless you know you would be willing to admit that Ron Rivera might be on the hot seat is it fair to say that
4: yeah 100%
2: and who would take over if Ron Rivera got fired
4: uh probably Eric Bieniemy. okay yeah
2: and so then you have to wonder to yourself that if you you don't start planting seeds that make people think that maybe Eric Bieniemy wouldn't be best suited for it, and maybe this is one of the reasons why. Especially with an organization that's had issues in in their own way from ownership and the workplace, etc. But that'd be the other way you'd go about looking at it. Is that that's coming out almost as a way of Ron Rivera kind of putting up a shield or, I guess, an obstacle for the new brass, new ownership in Washington to move on from him and hire Eric Biennemi as a head coach since the NFL has clamored for this. I mean, they've clamored in the offseason for Eric Bienemy to be hired as a head coach for quite some time. It hasn't happened. This would be the other way it could potentially happen and And unfortunately, it'd be at this the dismay of, of Ron Rivera, you know being a head coach there in Washington.
4: If you were Eric Binamemi, would it bother you that Rivera made those comments?
2: Um, I mean he's my head coach, so no, I mean I, I, the reality is i um, i I don't know Eric Bien-Aimé or his you know coaching style. I'm not sure you know how he would take that. I mean, you have a head coach who's speaking on what he's being asked about, and and it sounds like Ron Rivera is really truthful. I I don't, I don't know that there's anything to, you know, pick apart or say.
4: Yeah, I mean, like the one thing about Biennial because he also spoke yesterday just about his approach and his style. The one thing you can say about Biennial when you hear him in this clip is that clearly humble, been through a lot. Doesn't think too highly of himself, and if you're doubting the validity of that statement that we just made, we'll take a listen.
1: Yes, I am uh, intense,
3: and I would be afraid too to start if I didn't know him. Eric Bieniemy is is who he is. Okay, Eric Bieniemy knows how to adapt and adjust. Eric Bieniemy is a tough, hard-nosed coach, but also understand I'm going to be the biggest and harshest critic. But I'm also their number one
1: fan because I got their back and I'm going to support them at all times.
4: Yeah.
2: I mean, right. so, so I already know what bothered you in this clip. So just mean? so our <laughs> listeners understand, Jonas does not like when anyone talks in third person. It's, it's very seldom that I think most people <laughs> actually do. But immediately, when we just listened to a clip from Eric Biennami <laughs> you... talking about Eric Biennami, that rubbed you the wrong way. Just a minute. Just a <laughs> minute.
4: I don't get it, man. I just – I don't get it. I, it's never landed well with me. I can't imagine ever having a discussion with somebody and saying, uh, you know, Jonas Knox feels this there's, sort of way.
2: And There's only one person who's been able to do it and get away with it, and that is Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson talking about himself yes, in third person is, is quite possibly correct. the most quotable, amazing <laughs> – person to talk in Correct. third person yes he gets a
4: pass yes. he's he's one of those he's guys, the
2: only person that gets yeah. a pass. it's
4: kind of like when charles barkley can say things on television yeah. that nobody else can say because he's got he, It's just sort of built in it's grandfathered in he gets a pass ricky henderson do whatever you want to do and talk about yourself as much as possible but it, i i think just big picture the reason why this didn't land wrong with a lot of people is is because they're really sensitive to the Eric bien conversation and the discussion. Because yeah. yeah. nobody wants to just say what a lot of people, and you've talked about this as well, too, on the air for a couple of years, because the conversation about him getting an opportunity has been floated out there for years. He's interviewed, and nobody, and nobody wants to say maybe he just didn't interview well. Like nobody wants to say it. There's been a lot. Of, they want to go race card and minority. Hi- There's been a lot of minority hires in the NFL since Eric Bieniemy had his first head coaching interview. I, I, is it does it not have any sort of possibility thrown in there that that maybe. He just doesn't interview well, and maybe something like that doesn't land well with a lot of people who are looking to hire a head coach who's got his approach that already isn't sitting well with players in Washington. So much so that the head coach had to talk about it before we even get to the preseason game. Like to me, I, I think that's a real possibility, and I think that may be playing out here. But people are sensitive to it, and nobody wants to have just a real conversation about it.
2: Well, look, I, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of parts of the hiring process that need to be improved in the NFL. I mean, bottom line. Yeah. And I think the tough thing is there's probably a percentage of people out there who don't interview well but can do their job well. Right, those are two different requirements. Right, there's a skill set that you have to be able to apply to any career, any job, and you might be good at that. But you know what? You might not be good at being able to sit in front of someone and tell them how good you are. Now, I, based on that clip, I would think Eric Bieniemy could talk very well about Eric Bieniemy in front of a, in front of an owner in an interview. But um, that being said, you know, there's elements to the interview process that he might not excel at, where you know, don't matter. But it does to the hiring process, but it doesn't matter to the actual job, right? And those are some of the issues that I think every industry, you know, faces in regards to its hiring process. But there's also this idea that, well, hey, Eric bien has been their offensive coordinator. And now look at all the success that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and all that are having. Okay, well, I, I, I guess we'll see, you know, how successful Washington's offense is this year, right? With Eric Bieniemy there, if everyone's yeah. assuming that he's an offensive genius because of what happened with the Chiefs, or, or I guess we'll see what happens with the Chiefs. Like, are they going to take take a step back without Eric Bieniemy? I mean, I, I would have sat there and and made the statement that. You know, it doesn't matter that what the Chiefs lost in Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson, they they still move forward, right? I mean, like they lost last time I checked, you know, Jonas, tell me, did they win a couple Super
4: Bowls? Yeah, they they were okay. okay. And also, uh, I I would have said they probably would have taken a step back after they lost Tyreek Hill and Nope, Nope. <laughs> I mean, one of the
2: Super Bowls. Yeah. So, like for the people out there who want to use the accolades, the accomplishments of of Eric Bieniemy during his time with Kansas City and those, you know, during that that span, that's great, but. Yeah, like there's there's two main components to that formula, and it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, right? Like those are the main two components. And then everything else is complementary of that, but it's not what makes the Chiefs go, at least not offensively speaking. Um, so I, I think, look, the hiring process could be improved. There's people who are sensitive to that. That's why they get a little bit frustrated with Eric Bieniemy not getting opportunities. Even though he's he's been an OC that's you know uh, labeled OC even though it's still Andy Reid calling the plays and and other people are, are clamoring for that right he'll get a shot now he'll get this opportunity right like that's that's how this is probably going to end up working out and I think to just bring it full circle it's probably why you're hearing Ron Rivera make some of these public comments is he wants to make it very well known that the coaching style and and what Eric Biy could end up being. Or if there are any issues with players, like kind of creating a little bit of that awareness for it, for saying like, "Hey, man, if there are issues, then then this is something that like he might have to eventually address." Especially if you're getting out in front of it in training camp and the season hasn't even started yet.
4: It's also, I think, it would be pretty a realistic possibility that Eric bien maybe he's a little bit more frustrated at times because when you go from Patrick Mahomes and everything that they've already built as you pointed out with Andy Reid and then he's tasked with taking over a team that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes and doesn't have all that success... Yeah, maybe he's getting a little bit more frustrated than he normally would. And maybe that hasn't shown in practices in Kansas City, but it is in Washington because he's not dealing with the kind of talent that he was dealing with. And maybe there's an adjustment on his end. Regardless, I mean, yeah, he's going to get his opportunity. And, you know, it it just depends on how people want to take this and run with it when it comes to Ron Rivera. I would be surprised, though. It does feel like Ron Rivera is at least going to be safer this year. Because I can't imagine new ownership would come in and say, you know, they've had a problem with you know uh, a lot of turnover here when it comes to head coaching. Now nah, I'm not even going to give him the full season. Ron Rivera's gone, and he's just going to move on. Like I would find it hard to believe that Ron Rivera would be the first coach fired or the first coach, especially fired in season. But I don't know. I could be reading the whole thing wrong. So
2: no, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think they'll probably take a patient approach. It's one in which you re-eval- reevaluate after the first year. I mean I think any new ownership I mean if if they're smart the way they go about doing it you're not going to come in and immediately start making a ton of changes you're going to kind of come sit observe watch how things Operate and then kind of move on from there and see, you know, based on your observation, your experience, and maybe some of your consultation, how you go about trying to implement the changes you want to make. And any big decisions like that, you know, you kind of get together after the season and figure out, okay, if we're going to move on from a guy who's been a really good head coach in the NFL, um, who are we going to get? We better have someone in mind that we feel really, really good about selling to our fan base. And, and I've already told you my theory. I mean, look, if Washington finds themselves in the position to draft Caleb Williams, uh-huh. everyone assumes Arizona yep. is going to be that team with the top overall pick. But let's say it's Washington. It's where he's from. Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area. And and, and I could see a scenario where you know they offer Lincoln Riley the job as well and have those two come into the NFL together. and I think if, if you're Lincoln Riley, you'd have to contemplate it, if not simply for the fact that it is the NFL. You've got new ownership that's bringing you in as their guy, their head coach. And in that, in that instance, you've got your quarterback, which are our, our, you know, a couple big, big reasons outside of a huge payday that why you'd want to do that. Um, but again, this is all hypotheticals and everything else. But you could see how, how that sort of thing
1: could, could align pretty quickly. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Listen to Comeback Stories. I'm Darren Waller. You may know me best as a tight end for the New York Giants. You may also know me for my story of overcoming addiction and alcoholism may have heard a few of my tracks as an artist or a producer, uh, and you may have seen the work that I've done through my foundation. And you may know my friend and co-host Donnie Starkins as well. He's a mindfulness teacher, a yoga instructor, a life coach, a man fully invested in seeing people reach their fullest potential. And we've come to form this platform of comeback stories to really highlight not only our own adversity, but adversity in the lives of well-known guests with amazing stories. Catch us every week on Comeback Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things. Auto do it yourself, and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash two pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash two pros. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the Bride and Groom?
4: That's where you can find him on Twitter or X, whatever the hell it's called now. He is Petros Papadakis. He is the co-host of the Petros and Money Show, which you can hear on the Blowtorch AM570 LA Sports. He's also an analyst for Fox's college football coverage. Petros, what's happening? Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hello.
3: Hello. Is that Brady?
2: Is LeVar? LeVar's not here? No, no. He's not. He's not. No, no LeVar. He's not here. Probably sipping on a nice Levar Island somewhere, right? Yeah. Now. What's that? It's uh, it's just a Long Island, but we we call it a Levar Island. God, you know, how that's gross!
3: How she loves them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit how can sweet. you be in your 40s and drink that drink? <laughs> he, he loves them. <laughs> I mean, That's I know, his but, favorite drink. I know. I just don't get it. I used to have yeah. teammates that are like, "I love this drink," and be like, "Why? Because it's blue." It's like, okay, but.
4: I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit much.
3: It's called an adios, mother effer. Have you ever had one of these? It's so cool. It looks like Windex. What do they call it? That Petros. Uh, uh.
4: (laughs) Hey P, what? Got a hypothetical question for you, and this is not—I mean—purely hypothetical. Okay. But say there was a, a a boat that ended up crashing and sinking. Okay, and there were only four survivors on that boat, and they're all in the water. And you're—you
3: must have been thinking about this all day.
4: Well, Don, you're you're getting ready to throw out a life vest, but you only got one. Beavers. There it is. That is your correct answer. That's who you say
3: from the Pac-12. Yeah,
4: I mean I don't even have to think.
3: I don't even have to think about
4: that. Now, why not Cal?
3: Why not Stanford? Why not Wazoo? Uh, Wazoo would be second. Uh, why not Wazoo? Because I've spent uh, Thanksgiving in Lewiston, Idaho, where there were no hotel rooms in Pullman. <laughs> uh, but, no, I love Wazoo, and I, I love the Cougs and Martin Stadium. And, Go and Cougs! I loved playing there when I was a kid and all that. But I love the beeves a lot. Go like, I'm a huge beaver. And then Cal, I you know, look, I played at Cal briefly. And I love that's my favorite place to go, uh was <laughs> in the conference. And uh it still is, I guess. But you know, Cal's been complicit in some of this. Everybody is. They all have university presidents that allowed this to happen. So what did Stanford sound like, you think, while well, all this is going on, Penn. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a little hullabaloo in the conference. Ho <laughs> Anyway, Stanford is the one that really pisses me off. But look, why do you think that the AAC and the ACC are kicking the tires on the four teams left in the Pac-12? It's because they're controlled by ESPN. And that's what I've said to begin with. And and it's I don't have a problem with it. I I've, I've seen it happening for so long that I guess I'm just reconciled to it. It sucks. But ESPN has now been boxed out like Dennis Rodman of the West Coast. They don't have much of a footprint, if any, uh, out here now with the way all the TV deals fell out and the way the Pac-12 worked. So now they want to have some kind of presence out on the West Coast. Stanford and Cal academically make sense because of the links with teams like Duke and, uh, and, but to the, and do wait. the
2: networks really care about that? I mean, that's the university presence, right, Petros?
3: I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's probably a little bit of a mix, but I, I think the networks do care about being able to fill all the slots uh, right. during no, the, no, during just, the day.
2: I'm saying the academic component is. Oh like no, the, the, the academic
3: component yeah. nobody cares about. Yeah, and you know what? Nobody cares about the the Olympic sports or the non revenue sports, as great as they are. And as upset as some of these athletes are, there's also kind of a reality check in there, too. And, look, I have great respect for everybody, crew team, volleyball, all that stuff. You know, none of them get hit upside the head like we do, but they're all <laughs> working eight-hour days and trying to go to school, and they're they're an elite athlete at a very high level, and we all respect that. But also – Shouldn't there be some semblance of understanding that football is the reason these sports exist at these schools? Football is what funds these sports at these schools, and football is going to be king. And if your coaches or administrators or recruiters had any foresight, they would tell you, hey, get ready for things to change. (laughs) We're in a time of enormous change in college uh, sports. Uh, that, that part of it rings a little uh, hollow for me. Yeah, it's it's stupid that they have to travel more and all that. But it's stupid that we have minor league football wrapped up in our institutions of higher education. And look, we all make a living on it and it's part of our identity. So whatever. Uh, that part of it, I just don't. I just, I mean, you knew this was happening. How How could everybody be acting so surprised right now? Right.
2: No, I, I 100% agree with you, and I think there's like two trains of thoughts. Like, there's a portion of it where I'm kind of like, you know, who doesn't get blamed in any of this is the NFL, because the NFL has never taken time to invest into a developmental minor league system, because they've always had college football. But if they did, this issue to me wouldn't be that as big of an issue as it is now, and and I don't think the landscape of college sports or, but in particular football would have gotten to this point because kids who didn't want to actually play in college and go get an education will go into the minor league system. They go into the G League like if they were in basketball or they go overseas and play and they come back for the draft. But because of the three years you have to wait, you, and, and there's no minor league system, a lot of football players are forced to go in college and they don't care at all. Like they're not going to go to class, they're not going to get their degree, and they don't want to. Yeah, it's, and, it, it's, and, a, it's a tough balance. No, and, and and all I'm saying is is if there was a minor league system, you could you could honestly say like I think college football probably stays put. I don't know that you're seeing these drastic changes like we, we like we're seeing. And I'm not saying like I'm pointing the finger at the NFL, but it is I think a talking point that no one really discusses is, is the differences in every other sport from college to minor league to to pros that you don't see with football. And football is ultimately the driver that's changing everything, or at least the landscape of all college sports.
3: Yeah, I and mean, football is the reason that we've built these giant cathedrals to college sports in, in all of these places. Uh, college uh, Men's basketball is a big deal in some places. It is a revenue sport, but it's not like a kingdom builder like football. I think it's a valid point, Brady. Here's why I think it hasn't happened in, in the last 100-plus years. Nobody, nobody has got the balls to march anywhere into one of these places and take away college football. And I feel like if the NFL did that or tried to do that or created something other than just letting, you know, Fox or ESPN or The Rock or whoever put together these little uh, one-off leagues or the USFL and the stuff, the spring football stuff, Uh, If the NFL really did that, like, hey, these are the Pittsburgh Steelers AAA team here in Poughkeepsie, I I think that you'd get a major pushback from their friends, their colleagues, their basically compatriots in college. It's been a really weird marriage, but it's been a marriage uh, for a long time. And I think it's going to be kind of hard – to break that bond if anything uh time wise money wise geography wise college football is becoming more and more like the nfl (laughs) right Right? you know we're trying to shorten the games Uh, we're moving everybody around and uh that's because there's so much money being made and (coughs) once that money started being made you know you started to to and then that happened 100 years ago brady i mean this isn't new i mean Right. This became revenue when Red Grange freaked out and everybody yeah. on the East Coast wanted to come see him in the West, which was Illinois at that time.
2: I, um, I, I do want to throw something at you because I, I find this interesting because th- this isn't my comments. This actually comes from a, a coach formerly of the Pac-12, now with the Big Ten, who talked about ideally what this model should be to preserve probably college sports and be able to create the change that I think we're all looking for is why not have all these teams that are moving into, let's just call it the autonomous four conferences between the Big 12 ACC, SEC, and Big 10. Why why not just have them, call it whatever you want, whatever other league you want, but just make them all independent. Like, if you actually look at Notre Dame's model and how all this realignment's going to impact the college football playoff, why not just say, hey, look, we've got 60 teams, right, between the, 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 what was the Power Five, what was the Group of Five, 60 teams, 80 teams, whatever it is. Make them all independent. You could figure out how to how do the scheduling portion based on, you know, the regionality of it so it's not as big of a burden from right. a cost perspective. You could divide up those divisions, if you will, based on the region and then have a playoff.
3: Like, why is that I so mean, difficult? We might be headed toward some kind of giant uh, – amalgamous league but uh i think your view of it coming from notre dame might be a little skewed i mean notre dame doesn't need anybody to sell notre dame purdue needs ohio state <laughs> you know that's why washington you know, i mean that's what happened yeah, but you but but you can but make that's the what happened that... to the west once you right, pulled but... sc and ucla out the whole thing collapsed in on itself. A right, lot but, of
2: these but, places can't stand up. But, on but that. Petros, the argument too though, is Ohio State still needs someone to play. Like as much as there's those top tier Ohio State, Michigans, USC, UCLA, whatever the programs you're talking about a conference, you still have to have other teams for them to play. Right. These schools don't just want to play each other. But like they God survive.
3: Forbid, God forbid it's like the top 30 teams just score off versus each other in a grudge match every week. Those schools survive year in and year out with the money they make for being lumped in with Ohio State and Michigan on their TV deal. Right. And and I think that's, you know, as we talk through it, you know, I think that would be the major stumbling Block there uh, i I just don't think I mean Notre Dame can afford to do whatever they want. I mean, they can play halfway into a league, put the rest of their sports into a league I mean they're able to do all these things that a lot of people can't because they have such a recognizable brand, and we all thought you know Texas, you know hey, the longhorn is uh is just as recognizable uh, uh, as the as the n d or the the clover. And the truth is, it wasn't. I mean, the whole Longhorn Network thing, you know, sort of fell apart, uh, which is interesting. Uh, I don't know where. I mean, ultimately, they make too much money for it to be the rah-rah, boom pep rally, college football of the Newt Rockne days. Everybody does, right? There's just way too much money being made. And the fact that the schools are, are aligning and, and partnering and making literally billions of dollars on these TV deals, and they still don't pay the players the 85 scholarships. They're still depending on – and to hell with the NIL stuff. It's still just rich guys trying to hang out with football players. The same thing that's been happening for 100 years. <laughs> it, it, these guys are, are paying the players – in this weird haphazard way. And that's fine. Let them pay the players. That shouldn't be illegal. But that should not exclude the schools from paying up from what they owe for the TV deal for the guys that are at risk between the lines. And I don't know. There's a thousand ways to set up the dominoes, Brady. And I agree. I mean, we could talk about it forever. But ultimately, uh, until you're doing that, I don't know. I mean, I know it's not amateurism. It's not all that stuff. But all that stuff has been bastardized and thrown out the window years ago. Right. So we got to pay these guys. Yeah. And until we're doing that, we're, we're, we're cheating in a big way. It's a rev share. I've said this forever. Like how they're not getting
2: a piece of the – and I understand the steps to get there. there. There has to be a union or at least someone negotiating
3: on well, behalf Nine, of – Title IX, you know, stands right. in your way. And that's why you have to get out from under it's the A3CB umbrella of the NCAA. There. Yeah.
4: Hey, Petrus, you got any old Pac-10, Pac-12 gear that just went up in value because the conference went to crap? You got anything Freaking
3: that... EarPods, dude. Yeah. I got the Pac-12 EarPods, man. Where'd you get those from? Freaking Pac-12 dinner. Yeah. One yeah. Of the last, one of the last suppers that I went to. Hey, did you <laughs> get this year's gift? Uh, it was like a bag. No, I just left
2: it. It was a Lululemon bag. Ooh. Yeah, I don't need that. They were so. Uh, can, I, can I? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of scared to say this publicly, but I guess the conference might not even exist in a bit. So. It doesn't, Brady. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm literally leaving, heading up the escalator. And someone from the Pac 12 was like, Oh, did you get your gift? Did you get your gift? And I was like, Oh, no. I'm And I tried to like, he's like, No, no, no. You have to come get the gift. Yeah.
3: There's a <laughs> pile like, of it, and nobody wants it. We're no going to wanted burn it. it.
2: And, and so, like, I was the guy who was like holding the bag, going up the escalator, looking at everyone, like, Yep. Tightly um, to your chest like a purse. Yeah, no, no, I, no I, honestly, I was holding it, thinking like, can I drop this at the top of the escalator, and will anyone judge me or notice? Like, can just, I get away with like, or is security going to think I'm like dropping off a bomb inside a, a stadium? Like, is this going to be an issue? And so I just I decided to take it with me.
3: Well, so, if it said Pac-12 on it, you knew it was going to explode in a certain amount of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I I do have to say. You know, Brady moves amongst these people like Caesar. You know, just gracefully floating even? around. Oh, yeah. Truth that? You know, you look it. around, you see the Arizona State coach. You know, he's a young-ass dude. You know, you see Merton Hanks and his long neck. Yeah. And there's Brady just just, just gliding across oh, yeah. the floor. Like a neck. Russian ballerina with his package all t- tight in there, just looking great. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
4: Shoulders, broad shoulders. Yeah. You ever long. seen the
3: Nutcracker? Yeah. You know, Uh, the ballet, they were Tchaikovsky, I think. Yeah. You know, my sister was a ballerina, so I used to have to sit through it every year. And, you know, it's hard to forget, you know, when the clock strikes and the door opens and here comes that nutcracker and he's like a swole-ass ballerina dude (laughs) with a big-ass package. Jacked. But has like a huge puppet head on. (laughs) Yeah. And and Brady does look a little like that to me. Just... Swole, giant nutcracker head gracefully gliding across the floor. Like he's
4: straddling a duffel bag.
3: Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. If, if,
4: it. Exactly. If, only this,
2: if only this segment could have ended like three minutes ago. Like a Lululemon. Man. <laughs> if, if only this could have ended three minutes ago, it would have been the perfect segment, Patrick. Yeah,
3: no, I mean, look, we had our deep college football conversation. But I just want you guys to watch. You know, look up on YouTube oh, where it goes dong, dong, <laughs> and then I'm it's like, watch. guess who? Guess who's coming out? And the clock opens up, and there he is, Yeah, and then he um, kills the Rat King. <laughs> do you do you watch any of these footballs?
2: Like, do you watch Hard Knocks? Do you watch the Johnny? The you know, Johnny I thought football? you guys
3: were going to ask me about it, and no, I didn't watch a Johnny football. I mean, just the the the, the, hey. the quarterback one bugs me because they call a run play. Play, and then he goes and throws a pass play, and it's like, where's the continuity, guys? Right. Uh, uh,
2: <laughs> then, well, uh, hey, here's what we found out from the Johnny football one: is he apparently went, he got drafted in the NFL, and then didn't watch any film. And Johnny and his agent are almost like, I don't want to say bragging about it, but they're, but they're like, they're they're admitting that, like, <laughs> oh yeah, that had nothing to do with his career not working out in the NFL.
3: I mean is that frowned upon not watching
4: the- <laughs> <laughs> hey we also learned Petrus we also learned uh, and I have it on good authority that you are a fan of charcuterie boards
3: oh I love a charcuterie yeah. All
4: right. so we just wanted to get your thoughts on the pronunciation of a charcuterie board from John Franklin Myers of
3: the Jets last night on oh Hard Knocks. did he drop a charcuterie let's listen
2: Oh, it
3: it how much, how good oh, I want to go to Broadway, a Broadway show. I want to eat a carcucci board. Yeah, no, carcucci. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, let's go carcucci.
4: Carcucci. <laughs> so, oh, not sure if that's the word of the day coming up. With uh, I you remember I tried to order
3: that. like a Cia Pino once, uh, and I, I was calling it a clopino. That was good. Uh, oh, hey, carcucci. Yeah, give me that carcucci. I was going <laughs> to sit down and watch it. Uh, like before, we did the show today. Like I was gonna, I'm gonna take. I was gonna take a, a piece of it, just because you know I, I wanted to act like I was in the know. But uh, I turned on the TV and Cleopatra with Liz Taylor and Richard Burton was on, so oh, I just left that on. me. yeah, better option. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, hey, uh, Petros. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you this Friday. You're gonna be in. Yeah. Uh, are you
3: gonna come to Thousand Oaks? No, come on, man. What about you, Brady? The home game. Uh, I will actually be in Ohio. I've got my uh, annual charity event coming up. I'm gonna need you to fly across the country first yep and check okay. us out yeah. at the tarantula Hill Brewing Company <laughs> hell yeah two o'clock on yeah. Friday in Thousand Oaks California home of the Lancers yep that's yeah, correct
4: yeah yep. yep. that is correct well
2: Jonas will be representing
3: me as part of the I as will. part of the crew yeah. you know I was in Ojai for a week there Jonas
4: oh listen you're Ventura County through and through now you're well, my wife's from all the Ventura way. County oh so. yeah yes listen. No stone unturned.
2: I heard Ojai is super nice. Yeah, it it's is. lovely.
3: Yeah. Artisanal nice. food, crunchy groovers. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of hippies.
4: Yeah. A lot of hippies.
3: Every once in a while, you run into somebody who, like, it seems like their op- occupation is cultivating body odor. <laughs> That's kind of Jonas. You yeah. know, you can see my wife and I like dry, riding around on on cruiser bikes, looking like two two huge dorks, ringing the bell. Yeah, you wearing got rec- my hel- I- wearing my helmet. <laughs> I'm sure. You,
4: I'm sure you got recognized, though. Yeah, out there. Yeah, yes. come on, man. You're big in the 805.
3: I don't know why that is, but you're right. I, I would never say that ever, uh, I, or I would never uh, volunteer that information. But yeah, yeah, I found that uh, a lot of the white people knew me.
4: Yeah, that is, that
3: is true. <laughs> uh, get him on Twitter. Like, oh, the that, there's a thick-faced white guy. Looks like a fat Morrissey. Oh, he knows me, all right. Uh, He is Petros Papadakis,
4: the co-host of the Petros and Money Show, Fox College Football Analyst.
1: Thanks, Pete. We
3: appreciate it. There's that USC fan guy. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. Sure, brother.
1: (laughs) Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.